You are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by Win, women in innovation. In each episode, inspiring female innovators share stories of succeeding against the odds in a male-driven industry. Their experiences come from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and innovation departments in Fortune 500 companies. I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, brand strategy consultant and global marketing lead at Win. There are many topics that make people uncomfortable, but nothing makes someone shrivel up, excuse the pun, like discussing death. Yet the source of a lot of incredible and groundbreaking innovation is exactly around some of those conversations that we just don't want to have. Today's guest, Liz Eddy, is innovating death, both by starting the conversation around it and by being the CEO and co-founder of Lantern, an end-of-life planning company. Prior to Lantern, Liz founded her first social venture at age 15, which was focused on dating abuse and domestic violence education in schools, so she is no stranger to addressing and fixing for taboo topics. After graduating with a BBA from Parsons, the New School for Design, she ran special projects for DoSomething.org, one of the largest global organizations for teens and social change. Then, she joined the founding team of Crisis Text Line as the Director of Communication, growing the org to 12,000 volunteers, 76 million messages in three different countries. Liz completed her Master's of Science in Strategic Communication at Columbia University, where, by the way, we are both graduates and part-time faculty. It is on that note that I'm excited to share this episode with you where Liz discusses the immense need for end-of-life planning and how she started the Lantern Venture. Have no fear. This conversation is not as morbid as it sounds, and I hope it can even make you laugh and smile at times. It is truly living proof that you can quite literally innovate the experience of death and passing. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. So for those who don't know, Liz, you are a founder of an end-of-life planning company called Lantern. So what does the journey to being that look like? <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I think first and foremost, people are always really curious about why a 30-year-old is working on death. <laughs> so starting there, um, I, I lost my dad when I was really young. So I've been always just very hyper aware of the impacts of, of death on, on a family, um, you know, financial, logistical, emotional and, um, and also just the finite nature of time and really wanting to spend my time really wisely doing things I really care about that have an impact on the world sort of outside of my own immediate universe. And, um, and that, you know, kind of evolved in a lot of different ways. I uh, started my first company when I was 15, created a dating abuse and domestic violence curriculum with two of my high school best friends. We had no idea we were doing anything other than for our high school, um, but it started to evolve and got picked up by the state of New Jersey and then started spreading to universities and high schools all over the U.S. and then abroad. And so as, uh, as 15-year-olds, we were getting sort of very real-time experience on, on starting our own business and, and what it was like working with people you know, more than twice our age and, um, and leading a, a movement and a conversation around a topic that people really don't like to talk about. And, um, and I think that kind of carried with me into, I went to college at Parsons and continued working on that curriculum there. 
and then um, and then went directly into another nonprofit called DoSomething.org. And when I started working there, that's actually where I met my current co-founder and our technical lead, Shay. But when I first started working there, the um, CEO of Do Something did a TED Talk on a new concept called Crisis Text Line, which is a free 24-7 crisis support line via SMS. And um, the idea was to bring you know, mental health support directly to the cell phone <laughs> and allowing for, for young people to have direct access to, to mental health care, which you know now seems super obvious, <laughs> which I find you know, good ideas tend to be, right? It's like in hindsight, right. you're like, oh, yeah, duh, of course, that's a thing. Um, but at the time, you know, the talk spaces of the world weren't you know, well known. And we were often being told that you know, mental health support through a phone was a terrible idea. And you know, it's just all sorts of things. And, um, and I just really fell in love with the concept because I, you know, I grew up wanting to find that kind of support, especially after losing my dad, but uh, not really enjoying the one-to-one therapy. And so I um, ended up pitching myself to the CEO saying like, hey, you know, I really want to help with the go-to-market strategy. I really want to help, you know, get this in the hands of people that need it. And she she gave me a shot and I developed the go-to-market strategy for Crisis Text Line um, and then quickly sort of evolved into becoming the director of communications of the organization and, um, and did that for seven years. So oversaw um, the brand from the ground up and all of our communication strategy and then also developed our business development team. And, um, and watch the organization grow from four of us to about 120 employees and 12,000 crisis counselors. Um, we launched in three countries while I was there. And so it was a, a really incredible evolution. Um, but again, like really sort of on brand of creating products and, and movements around things people hate to talk about. <laughs> um, and while I was working at Crisis Text Line, um, I was uh, sort of caretaker with my mom of my grandmother, who's in her 90s, and um, and then managed everything with her end of life and death. And that's really where Lantern was born. So you mentioned working, as you said, at um, Crisis Text Line and then do something. There's clearly a pattern in your career journey, and that is impact and the nonprofit space and, and actually crisis as a whole, if you think about it. So why do you think that is? What draws you in about some of those things that, that I mentioned? I found it like sort of an interesting paradox that the things that most frequently happen to us in our lives tend to be the things that we shy away from the most. And I, you know, I really have a, a love and a passion for you know branding and communications, and and wanted to kind of wield those powers for good and finding ways to create you know really beautiful user experiences, powerful messaging that help people kind of bridge that gap and start to, to come to terms and feel more comfortable with these topics. Because the reality is, is they're not going anywhere. <laughs> as far as I know, death will always be a thing. There are some people that think it won't be, but <laughs> as far as I know, it will always be a thing. And it's really a matter of you know how we approach it and how we prepare for it. So then when we think about the industry as a whole, where do you believe that the disruption in the industry of funeral planning and estate planning lies? And how do you think Lantern specifically achieves that? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, you know, there's a lot, there's, I mean, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. Um, you know, the end of life space is generally really inaccessible and unaffordable. I mean, people on average spend between seven and $10,000 on a funeral. Um, there's a, a term called death debt, 
um, which is basically people going to debt and bankruptcy after somebody dies, partially, you know, because the individual might have been the person bringing in a lot of the funds into a family, but you're also have this unexpected, often, you know, seven to $10,000 expense. Um, and that's not even including if you're like, you know, going to have a, a burial plot or a gravestone or any, you know, sort of additional items alongside that, that experience. Um, and then also, you know, I think there's this, there's another additional movement that's happening in the space around, um, like what dying well is and, and why some people are afforded the ability to die well while others aren't. And, um, and that's something that has been really highlighted to me over the last year that I hadn't thought about until I was in this space is, you know, we have often these sort of notions of what, what death is like, right? It's, I'm in my 90s, I'm in my bed, I fall asleep and I don't wake up and my family is surrounding me and that's how it is. And there's no pain and that's it. And in reality, there are a lot of people that aren't afforded that experience, everything from, you know, poor maternal health care to you know, gun violence. <laughs> like, there's, I mean, the list goes on and on of, of why that's the case. But I think for Lantern, we really recognized early on that if we could create a, a you know, a low cost, really fantastic user experience that would allow people to arm themselves with tools and resources and education around this topic that they would be able to, you know, make good decisions for themselves and for their families, and um, and also, you know, being able to get the access to the care and support that you need throughout that process. So, thinking about a consumer such as myself that may be in their mid to late twenties, what is really the case for somebody to use Lantern or consider their death planning, you know, before they're in that seventy-year-old range that we expect people to die in? I, I actually really encourage people to do their end of life plan as early as possible. Number one, it's so much easier to do an end of life plan when you don't feel like it's imminent. <laughs> I, you know, you can actually sort of in a strange way, like have fun with it because it's not something you feel like is close or concerning. It's more of like a future planning kind of thing. And you can really think about like, you know, what do you want your friends and family to know? What, what messages do you want to leave behind? How do you want your life to be celebrated. Um, I actually just had a user recently reach out saying that she'd never thought it would be fun, but she put together a playlist of songs for like each person in her life that she would want like a song dedicated to. And it was just like a really therapeutic thing. (laughs) That's incredible. um, Yeah. And so, you know, you can, you can be really creative and thoughtful with it. And I think also, you know, especially in, in COVID it's allowed for people to feel a little bit of a semblance of control um, over a thing that feels very much out of control. But then there's also, you know, like logistical reasons why it's important. So, you know, for one, um, if you have kids or a home or you've started a business, um, you know, those are, are reasons why you would want to have uh, a plan in place, especially if you have children, making sure you have guardianship paperwork in place. And, you know, if you have equity in a company, really being able to explain what would happen to your business and, and how you would want you know, your, your co-founders or staff to be supported. And, you know, if you don't leave behind any information or direction, I think it's also just really important to remember that the people you love the most are the ones that are going to have to deal with that lack of information. And I think that's one of the biggest drivers for creating an end of life plan is it's it's a way to say I love you to the people in your life and, and making sure that, you know, it's not just about the financials. I think a lot of times young people are like, I don't have a lot of money. So like, what am I going to write? Like I leave my you know childhood teddy bear and my, you know, my favorite necklace. Like I, I'll just write it on a piece of paper, but it is so much more involved than that. Cause after you pass away, there's things like, you know, what do you do with your social media accounts, with your subscriptions, with 
um, your bank accounts. People don't even know what bank accounts you have. Um, And you end up on this really extensive sort of bizarre scavenger hunt trying to piece everything together when you don't have that information. And then what does Lantern do exactly in that entire process? What are the features and services that you offer? Yeah, so we have two sides of the product. So one is pre-planning. So that's everything from, you know, what paperwork do you need? You know, advanced care directives. How do you want to be taken care of at your end of life? Power of attorney, guardianship, wills, trusts, all that kind of thing. Financials. So understanding, you know, what what accounts you have, where you want your money to go. Also learning about you know, saving for those types of expenses at end of life what you want at your end of life. So do you want a funeral or a memorial service? Do you want you know, a Viking funeral, which is exactly what it sounds like? Um, or, you know, to be made into a diamond or a vinyl record. Like there are so many different things that can be done. Um, and you can learn about that and decide if there are certain things that you want to have happen. And then it's, you know, recording your history and legacy. So what are the things you want people to know about you, about your experiences, your memories, uh, messages or letters you want to leave behind. And then on the other side of the product is really about sort of that immediate need. So if somebody passes away, um, we guide you step by step through everything you need to know and do from literally like second one all the way through to, you know, six to eight months out. Um, and that's everything from the legal, logistical, financial, emotional, um, and connecting you with all the tools and resources and services that you need. And so, of course, as a founder, you're constantly thinking ahead and about the future of the company, the product, the business. So what does innovation look like in your product and what is next for the product as far as expansion goes? Yeah, so our our big vision really is to be the single point solution for everything around end of life and death planning. So if you have any question about that, if you want to complete any document, you want to learn anything, you want to look for any service, you know you have this one place to go that's really going to walk you through in a clean and, and pleasant way. I mean, we're kind of, we get compared a lot of times to sort of like a weird cross between like a TurboTax and like a wedding planning site. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but just taking really dense and complicated information and making it really easy for you to navigate. For us in the in the short term, because obviously there are a lot of categories that fall into that. I mean, that range, ranges from like end of life care and hospice to you know funeral planning to all of the you know legal paperwork to, to grief counseling and support. There's a lot that goes into this this it's not really a time of life. It's sort of like a, a thread throughout life um, that we're, we're putting into one location. But we, as of right now, we are really focused on making our process as seamless as possible. So people really understand from end to end exactly how each thing needs to be done and then creating some of those tools that make it even easier to do. So things like you know, being able to do legal documentation th- straight through our site or we're actually also um, digging a little bit more into some of the more lighthearted parts of the product. So a little bit more into history and legacy. We're also creating a bucket list feature. So you can um, store all of the things that you want to do throughout your life, store photos, videos, notes about those experiences. And I think one of the most beautiful things about that is you're able to leave that behind to family and friends and they can actually not just see your bucket list and what you've done, but also be able to continue on with it. 
your background has a heavy emphasis on communication and you got your master's of science in strategic communications from Columbia University, which is actually where we met for those listening to the podcast. But my question around that was, what role do you believe communication has played in your own business? And then what role do you think communication plays as a whole in the field of innovation? And I mean, in our in our business, and I think this is true also for you know, innovation as a whole, is we're able to take really complex, scary, overwhelming experiences, information, <laughs> you know, and and able to make it really digestible, comfortable, safe, empathetic. I, I think learning how to communicate in an empathetic way is one of the greatest superpowers <laughs> that we can, as humans can develop. Um, it allows you to have such a deeper connection with you know, not just the people in your life, but also, you know, people you may never meet that are using your product and, and making them feel like you're, you're not just something being sold to them, but you're an p- important part of their lives um, and something that's making their lives better and easier. And so, you know, I, the Columbia experience in, in strategic communications really gave me a foundation in that. Um, I think it's something that a lot of times we have some of these inherent capabilities, but we don't know how to name them. Um, and we don't know how to wield them and and where to place them within our <laughs> within our work and within our lives. And you know, Lantern is so deeply based on the connections that we create. And you even see that on you know on our site and and how it's designed. We have illustrations throughout the site that are created by um, at this point, all female artists. It won't always be that way, but right now, all female artists who um, created those images for people that they love and have lost. And, um, and I think it's things like that, that really create this sort of profound interaction that otherwise, you know, we could just be like any other productivity tool that has some info in it. (laughs) But we really want to create this sort of emotional engagement. This summer, the New York Times published an article discussing the fact that your industry is now booming in relation to the sociological and tangible consequences of a global pandemic hitting. Of course, Lantern was mentioned and discussed in the article. But what impact do you think the pandemic has had on the conversation about end-of-life planning? Yeah, well, you know, it's I mean, that was an amazing article. We've been in a couple that have had sort of similar headlines. I do think it's like it kind of I think in our industry we sort of were like, oh boy, like this is like death has always been a thing. Like this isn't like a new concept. But, right. but the media has definitely sort of grabbed onto our space recently because of its relation to COVID. So I, you know, I I found that to be a a pretty humorous aspect of all of it. But I think the biggest change that that we have seen that has happened is people are much more aware of their own mortality, not necessarily comfortable with it, but aware of their own mortality, which is really the first step in taking action around it. Everyone in some capacity sort of knows that pre-planning is either something people do or that it's important. They're aware of it, but very few people do it. I actually saw a stat recently that said about 80% of people know they need a pre-plan and only 20% actually create a pre-plan. And so I think what's happened recently is just this, this kind of reckoning with the fact that life is extremely unpredictable and while it seems like in the past, we're like, oh, it's like a thing you have on your list and you push it off and you push it off and you push it off. We're now starting to recognize like, hey, like we don't we don't know what tomorrow brings. And that is both exciting and terrifying and <laughs> something that can be done to sort of ease some of that anxiety and fear and, and also to you know, care for your loved ones is to create an end of life plan. So we've seen an increase in users 
around, you know, really just that, that exact thing. <laughs> um, a lot of people starting to create their end of life plans and, and really seeing the importance of it. And then also, you know, workplaces recognizing it as well. So we offer a lantern to employers for employee benefit. And then we also offer it to, to companies as a client benefit. So, you know, things like life insurance or senior care facilities. And we're just starting to see people really understanding why this is a really important thing to have on your list of benefits alongside, you know, gyms and whatever else. What role do you think gender has played in your entrepreneurial journey, uh, whether that is in terms of raising capital or just being in your industry as a whole? On the side of end of life care, there is a pretty large divide. A lot of like funeral homeowners, for example, are men. However, a lot of the caregiving side of end of life are women. So that's things, you know, from like death doulas to um, a lot of the the sites that are being developed right now and, and technology that's being developed right now are, are mostly female led. There are there are definitely men, but are mostly female led, um, which is really exciting because it's bringing a really like empathetic approach um, to the, the technological side of this industry, um, which is really, really exciting. You know, on the flip side, being in tech as a woman in a much, you know, in the larger scope of things, so sort of outside of the death care and end of life space, we're obviously, you know, a, a minority. I think it has been a challenge in the sense that, you know, it's, I think it's changing and there are definitely, there's more funds popping up that are, are female focused, that are female led. We, we definitely are really inclined to, you know, get to know and work with female led uh, venture funds. Um, we also just find that when we pitch to female led funds, there is a level of comfort and understanding there that is very different than the other you know, pitches that we do. But it's, you know, it, generally speaking, raising in venture capital as a female-led team comes with a challenge. There's, I mean, there's a lot of challenges, but one of the ones that was pointed out to me, and now I can't, it's like, once you see it, you can't forget it, uh, is that, you know, men are judged on potential and women are judged on progress. We found even when we were you know, working to raise at a very early stage of our company, we were being asked about things like product market fit and revenue. And, and those are really important things and things that you need to have answers for and, and be prepared for. But we were so early and there was no feasible way that we had figured out product market fit. I mean, there are companies that have raised multiple rounds that still haven't figured it out. Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and so I think that, you know, we thought it was maybe, you know, oh, you know, we're, we're new to this or, you know, oh, we're in death care and like, you know, that's, that's a new space and people aren't familiar with it, which is certainly, there's certainly factors. But we pretty quickly found that that is a very common experience for women that are, are fundraising. And, and I'm hoping that that begins to change as there's more and more women in, in venture capital that are able to ask those questions that really like lift up and motivate versus sort of scaring and crippling. <laughs> um, it's been found that venture capitalists will ask positive toned questions to men and negative toned questions to women in the same conversations. So uh, it was it was really interesting. I started really listening for that as I was pitching of like, you know, instead of saying like, wow, you know, how big can this get? This is like, this is so exciting. Or how big could this really get? You know, it's like That tone changes the whole pitch. Yeah. And so I'm sure you're going to be the absolute expert at our last question because you are constantly thinking ahead. Where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now? one year from now, and 10 years from now? I love that question. That's amazing. 
so myself and the industry in one month as a company, we're, we're rolling out a bereavement training actually for HR and managers to be able to better communicate and prepare for and support uh, grieving employees alongside my, my partner, Elisa Forneray, who um, runs an amazing Instagram account and blog around, uh, around grief. So highly recommend people out there listening to check her out. Uh, so we're rolling that out, really excited. And, you know, as the industry as a whole, I think, you know, we're, we're definitely sort of recognizing this, this shift in tone and, and recognition of the port, importance of our space. And so I, I found that a lot of people in our industry are sort of getting themselves in line and prepared for this influx of, of interest and, and making sure that we're really utilizing it to create a, um, a long lasting impact and place for us uh, that isn't just, you know, COVID specific, but, you know, is, is, is permanent. A year from now, I see us really starting to find our roots in industries that are outside of our space. So for Lantern, you know, we, we recognize that the best way to get people to you know, end of life plan is to normalize it. So to find places where we can, we can live that are, people are already thinking about other types of plans. So things like you know, financial planning and retirement, things like you know, setting up your life insurance. And then, you know, 10 years from now, it should be fully normalized. So everyone should have an end of life plan. It should be a part of, uh, you know, when you start a new job, when you have a child, uh, every, you know, physician when you are uh, over 18 should be mentioning having your advanced care directives in order. Really, the way this space shifts and the way that we are able to give everyone access is by normalizing these conversations they're far less scary if you're always hearing about them in some capacity. I, and I, I mean, I'm proof of that. My, since I was a little kid, my mom has always told me what she wanted in her end of life. And I've never found this scary. It's not that I like, I'm not like concerned about death, but you know, like I, I don't right. think that ever goes away um, unless you're like extremely enlightened, which some people are, but you know, I, mm-hmm. uh, there's always, you know, maybe some, some fears and concerns about it or, or just wanting more time. But we don't have to be afraid about talking about it. We don't have to be afraid about talking about that fear or talking about the the plans that you make or what you want for yourself or what you want for your loved ones. And and so that's what, you know, as a business, what we're really striving for and as an industry, what we're striving for is to make that conversation easier, more accessible and, and you know, more comfortable. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Liz. It was a real pleasure to hear all about you and about Lantern. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.